I believe that veterans are the key to unlocking America's next golden age. By empowering and influencing one million veterans to transition well and become leaders in their communities, we can unlock our country's destiny and continue to change the world. My name is Bernard Bergen. On the morning of November 11, 2016, today's guests are Nesto Rodriguez, a 15-year Army veteran who served two tours in Iraq and two in Afghanistan, left his home in Clarksville, Tennessee, carrying a 60-pound rucksack topped by a three-by-five-foot American flag. He wouldn't return home until five months later on April 19, 2017, after walking 2,200 miles across the United States. Ernesto's goal? was bringing awareness to veteran suicide. According to 2012 U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs reports, 22 veterans commit suicide each day. So Ernesto chose to walk across the country to honor them. Let's get started. Now, you made headlines when you just bravely, and I think it was very brave of you to continue to serve. You know, it's one thing when you do something with a crowd, but you did this journey solo. You walked... 2,200 miles. <laughs> Tell us a bit about that and feel free to share your heart and remind the community that we still have to take care of each other. Right. Well, I did take the journey alone, but you know, it wasn't truly alone. I had a lot of, I had a lot of support back home. I originally started with another gentleman, unfortunately due to some unforeseen circumstances, he had to come home to take care of his family. And yeah. in Memphis, which is where this happened, I had to make a decision to either continue the journey and have double the risk because I was alone mm-hmm. or, uh, or quit. And I remember sitting in my bed that night and I was reading through the messages of all these people that were reaching out and saying, thank you for what you're doing. This is a very important topic. Mm. You know, and then I of course got the, le- the messages, you know, my son, my daughter, my husband, my wife took their life mm. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to fail them. Yeah. And I wanted to keep, educating along the way. So I decided to just keep going and I continued on to California. Wow. 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 What was completion light? And I, I want to hear more of the heart stuff. You know, there's the face for the cameras, but then there's that heart moment where you know that for you, for your family, for your legacy, for all those that you served with, that you're continuing to serve, there was something there. How do I explain it? I was physically emotionally and mentally exhausted at that point. Oh, wow. I had just finished walking across the Colorado desert, which was not an easy feat. (laughs) I almost got very severely dehydrated out there. And there were definitely a couple of moments that I wanted to give up. And that was definitely one of them. Mm. I was floored by the amount of attraction that it brought. Because when I first started, I thought like my buddies back home and, and, you know, people in Clarksville would reach out and, you know, the local newspaper would cover it. I never thought I was going to be on CNN. I didn't think I was going to be on USA Today and all this other stuff. So yeah, I underestimated the good nature of people when you walk through. So when I got to the pier, uh, I was already starting to cry a little bit. Uh, <laughs> as, I was, as I was getting closer, I started to cry. Uh, I had a friend of mine there and I, I just wanted it over. Pretty yeah, much. Yeah. My feet were killing me. My, my mind <laughs> was racing. I had 70 plus people behind me, you know, cheering me on. And, and I told my buddy, like, pull the flag off my bag so I can grab it. And then I just took off running to the pier. Wow. 
and really it's just because I wanted my shoulders to <laughs> anymore. And even afterwards, I refused to pick that bag back up. So, oh, yeah. oh yeah. And it was, it was a really touching moment to tape that flag up to the pier. There was a younger kid there and he was standing there. He was just staring at me and his mm-hmm. mother told me that he had been following me the whole journey uh, when they found out about it. So I told him to come over and hold the flag so that I could tape it up and you could see he was really excited about it. And, oh, wow. I still, and I still had my sunglasses on because I was starting to well up and I didn't want anybody to see me crying. Yeah. And then I just broke down. I just oh, broke. Wow. I think it was afterwards that I really felt the real emotions of it when I was no longer walking. Mm-hmm. You know, I was sitting down, relaxing. The bag was out of the picture. Yeah. Yeah. I just sat there and thought about being gone from my home for five months <laughs> and it was weird. There was a mixed emotion of whether I wanted to come back or not. Wow. I had been gone for so long and I had changed so much and I had met all these ing- incredible people and I learned to live without, well, sometimes creature comforts, but without, yeah. I didn't watch my favorite TV show every day. I didn't, yeah. you know, I had my music, I had the bag and I slept out in nature and sometimes I slept in flea bag motels. Sometimes I slept in luxury hotels because they donated them. Yeah but I was always on the go and it made me happy to, to know that I was doing that for a good purpose and not just yeah. for fun or. Yeah. Yeah. What song was the one that played the most, got you pumped up the most Ooh. or just had you reflect the most? Oh man. I started my days off with Al Green. Oh, wow. Al we Green. definitely have that in common. <laughs> Al Green, Sam Cooke. I would sometimes play a little Elvis. It kind of like a mellow, mellow yeah. start. They, yeah. You know, as the sun was coming up, I'd play something kind of low key. Right. And then, you know, in the afternoon when I was starting to get weak and, you know, I was in mile like 14 or 15, then I would start pumping like ACDC or yeah. Yeah. old yeah. school hip hop and then kind of get myself to keep going. Wow. Uh, and then by that time, the batteries were all dead. So. <laughs> but, okay. Um, so. So classic iPod, or did you do smartphone with the music on it? Um, I had my smartphone with me at all times. Mm-hmm. I bought a secondary battery for it. Nice, nice. And this, I think, was probably the heaviest thing in my bag, other than water. But it was a huge boombox. Oh, like the whoa! Bluetooth speaker boombox. Yeah, thing, yeah, yeah. That, that fit perfectly in the back of the bag, so I would just be able to scroll through my phone and pick out my music, and I had right. Spotify all the time. And if I had no signal, I only had two albums, and that was The Best of Prince. <laughs> and uh, don't make fun of me, t- the Taylor Swift album. Oh, wow. Which one? The uh... 1989? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Now, I want you to just take some time when young men and women, or even a little bit older, you know, ask you about service and they want to serve. How do you usually share with them the value of service, but also what service is really like? Well, I can revert back to when I joined. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would probably just tell them that story. When I first joined, I was 19. I was in Puerto Rico. Okay. And I was a barista at a restaurant. Wow. 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 Uh, with some like side acting gigs. And I had some like little, mo- I was 19. So I thought I was going to be like a superstar. And you are. So keep going. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, 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 I'm 35 now. So it took, and I'm not a superstar. I just did something. But I was in basic training. I joined June 9th of 2001. So I didn't go into basic until July of 2001. 
So a couple of months later, the towers fell. When I first came in, I think I came in the same way most soldiers back then came in, and that was GI Bill, mm-hmm, college mm-hmm. fund, mm-hmm, bonus, mm-hmm. travel. Yeah. And I wanted to leave life behind a little bit. You know, I wanted to get away from being a waiter. Yeah, yeah. Most of my family lives in New Jersey, so they're very close to New York. Okay. So that hit home. Oh, um, yeah. We were, in, we were in the middle of basic rifle marksmanship when we got the call. And uh, many people, not many people after that stayed during my basic training. Some people quit. And um, I realized that you got to go in knowing that it's not going to be what you expect it to be. Mm-hmm. No. And I was an infantryman. But if you can't put your college money and your adventure and travel and stuff to the side, when something this tragic happens, you're in it for the wrong reasons. Mm, I like that. But if you are willing to serve others, I think that's the mantra I kind of came up, you know, I didn't come up with it. Gandhi came up with it, but you find your true purpose when you lose yourself in the service of others. Wow. 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 And I believe that wholeheartedly. Um, I have never been more fulfilled than when I'm helping other people. Yeah. Money comes and goes, beer comes and goes, (laughs) friends come and go, but to know that you help somebody permanently, Mm -hmm. uh, whether it be giving a homeless person a blanket or helping a vet in crisis that may or may not have lived through that day, there's a sense of satisfaction. So it is a generous act, but it's still a selfish act. You're still doing it to make yourself feel better. But if you're going to do that, at least do it knowing that you're helping somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoy that. And what you reflected on and just the the grounded foundation of service as a strength. You know, I watched one of your uh, videos and it was powerful because you were like, military value, selfless service. You know, you were like, look guys, when you serve, when you truly serve, you actually gain something. And the way you broke it down was just brilliant. And I think you just did it again. And I hope people really hear that, especially people considering serving because at times they just have such a strong game plan and they're not willing to deviate from that game plan, even though they signed up to serve. Well, and even as a veteran, right? This is what you gain from service. You gain a group of people that will stick by you no matter what. And I'm talking about somebody who you've never met before. So you could talk to a Vietnam veteran. I've talked to World War II veterans. And I still suffer from my own mental health. And I still have my post-traumatic stress and anxiety. And I actually just had a very severe anxiety attack recently. Mm -hmm. Um, And I did a video. I did a video because I wanted to be honest. And and I think that's the conversation that needs to be had. We, We hide behind this bravado of we're men and especially, especially combat arms guys and special forces guys, they don't cry. They don't let their emotions out. I was going through it and I posted a live and and I was, I was sobbing and I was explaining to people that the effects of what happens. Yeah. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing to do, but who says that there isn't a person watching that video that's doing the same exact thing, you know, that there's another person out there that could be sitting in a dark room lost and they need to know that they're not alone and they need to know that it's okay to talk about it and be open about it so that they can get the help they need. Yeah. I love that you went there effectively. One of the things I do, and it's probably pretty morbid, but I collect the headlines of the highest ranking service members I find who unfortunately, you know, take their own lives to remind people that it, 
you know, the last 10 years, 11 years have, has affected us yeah. in ways we're going to live with for the rest of our lives. And I'm thankful that we got to serve, but it's just what it is. You know? yeah. and, and if we don't remind people, you know, I, I mean, it, it takes a chunk out of my day when I read a headline of a general, a, a command sergeant major, and you're like, you know, like yeah. you didn't have anyone to ask for help or anyone to sit with you and just hear I, I, remember, I remember talking to a lot of older spouses of higher ranking people, and this is going to sound a little morbid too, but what they would tell me is that they wouldn't say anything about their service unless they were drunk or, or dying. Wow. And the thing is, it was an older generation and, yeah. and yeah. they were told to keep everything inside. Yeah. That Those they, were the codes. Yeah. Yeah. They were the patriarch. They had to stay strong for the family. Right. And you have to let it go. <laughs> And so when you're in a state of loss or you're, you can't hold on to it as you're leaving this world. Yeah. Uh, I would leave in fear. I couldn't do that. I would have to open up to release the guilt, I suppose. But right. a lot of those guys, man, they have so much guilt inside them or they have just memories of friends lost or, mm-hmm. it, and I ask myself this every day. It's, you know, what could I have done? What would have I been able to do to shift the plane yeah. so that my yeah. friend was still here? Yeah. Would it be more training? Would it be handling the exact situation a di- bit different, breaching the door different? Oh yeah. Been in a different position. What part, you know, what part of the, the formation should I have been in? Yeah. It's just, you think about it. All. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And I think it, like you said, it needs to be said. Now, let me ask you this. How has vulnerability truly helped you connect to some of the things you're able to tap into and do while still, you know, living humbly serving and still healing? Vulnerability is very, very difficult. Some people can handle it. Some can't. Some people still want that strong individual that won't share their emotions and feelings. And I mean, those are people not worth having in your life. Hmm. Uh, If you can't support me when I'm at my worst, you don't deserve me when I'm at my best. Come on. Come on. Uh, so I, I have to stay vulnerable too, uh, especially with the current projects that I'm doing. I, I'm still doing some speaking around town. Um, I've been invited to a couple of, uh, especially with Veterans Day coming up, a couple of like motorcycle rallies. And uh, I should be going up to the Seattle University in uh, March to okay. speak there. Well, let me know when you're in town. That's, that's hometown for me. All right. I'll be there. <laughs> uh, I'll let you know so that you can come. Okay. And then I'm filming with Julia. Yeah, uh, a film called Tango Down, which is supposed to really tackle the aspects of post-traumatic stress and how a brotherhood and a sisterhood of veterans come together to help somebody who's going through that. Right. So it really interested me to do it. Julia reached out and I didn't hesitate. So nice. Nice. So tell me more about the project and why should veterans tune in, maybe even uh, tweet about it, blog about it like a Facebook post about it, just share a little bit more of that insider perspective. For, for the film or yeah. for me? And for both, both, both. <laughs> right. Well, for the film, I can say that there is an Indiegogo campaign right now. We're trying to get it funded. The reason we're trying to get it funded is because we don't want to go the Hollywood route. Oh, yeah. Especially right oh, now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this film has to be a film about veterans, with veterans, for veterans. And the business of film... Maybe they don't like a person's look, or maybe they don't like uh, a line, or maybe they don't like a scene in them. So they, they shift it. They move it around, and we want to make it authentic and real. Right. We don't want to vilify veterans. We don't want to make them look um, yeah. like 
post-traumatic stress is, you know, we're not John Ramboing it. We're, we're going to go crazy. Yeah. You know, it's about the support that's needed. And, you know, there are some films that have recently come out and there's a few TV shows as well, but they're very Hollywood. And, you know, it's the stunning leading man and he has no problems and he's a superhero. And yeah. if you ask any veteran that has really been out there and, and exposed himself, none of us consider ourselves heroes. Oh, yeah. We're just doing our job. Oh, yeah. So we want to portray that as well. And I think it's going to be great. And so, I mean, they have a website, tangodownfilm.com. You can go to their Indiegogo and, and help the campaign. They have a Facebook and Instagram, a Twitter, all the mm -hmm. social media mm -hmm. outlets. And hopefully we'll be filming soon. And a great veteran team as well. Now, tell us more about your social presence, some of your social work, some of your video projects. You know, I think the veterans community and those that love and support us would love to tap into your story and just follow a lot of your work. Yeah, of course. Uh, so if you just look up Nerd Nesto. <laughs> I love the names as well. On any social media outlet, I'll pop up. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Yeah. I do most things free. I don't like taking money for this because this is a cause. This isn't a business. Mm -hmm. So for example, I had a t-shirt campaign that's on the Facebook page where you can buy a hoodie or whatever. Yeah. And all that money is going to a homeless veteran community out of, based out of Tucson, Arizona. Mm -hmm. It's called Veterans on Patrol. And it is a community of homeless veterans that have built a pretty much tent city and they take care of each other. They make sure they go to their VA appointments. They get their HUD dash housing if, they're, if it's available. They get them clean. And they also do search and rescue to find other homeless veterans in the nearby community to bring them back. Wow. That's powerful. That's powerful. And if people just wanted to donate, is it just easier to buy the t-shirt or is right. there a... I won't take donations. Okay. Um, like I, won't, I don't have a PayPal or anything like that. The best I want somebody to leave with something. So I would rather them buy a shirt and then donate that money than just give me money. They can give money to somebody, to a nonprofit or somebody that's helping. They don't, I don't, they don't have to go through a middleman. Yeah, yeah. But at least they have a product then, you know. Right, right. Okay, I like that philosophy as well. Now, I know you do speak. When you do get to uh, challenge employers or those in a position to work with veterans after their military careers, what generally do you share in those conversations of the value that veterans bring to new environments? Well, I mean, when we first start serving, we, we know the, the analogy, we get broken down and built back up. Mm -hmm. and when we're built back up, we're built back up to be loyal. We are purpose driven. Yeah. We continue to strive forward because everybody's always fighting to get to the next rank. Oh yeah. So, you know, in any business and any work situation, it would be the same. And most of us, you know, when you're talking to a civilian, you, yes, ma'am, you know, <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> very, very put together. I, I don't see that changing. So they've learned uh, proper courtesies towards other people, you know, pride in their work, to respect the people around them, to be loyal to whomever they're serving with or working with. Right. And that's the one thing, that's what you have to focus on. Don't focus on the guy who went to Iraq, so he might be a little in the head because Nowadays, with everybody on Adderall and Prozac, and it, it's not just military. Yeah, come on. Yeah, yeah. Tell the whole truth. <laughs> I mean, obviously, ours is a little bit different because we've seen stuff that most human beings should never see in their lifetime. Yes. But, but it's still, we do the same thing a civilian does. We cope with it. We manage it. We mitigate it. That's what we do. Yeah, yeah. Now, in addition to loyalty, service, what other value do you think just from the military values that you live every day, you know, and just everything you do now? Now, I mean, I still have a sense of duty. 
to what I'm doing. I've definitely become one with, with what I've done. Wow. When I first retired, I wanted to like, I bought a Porsche and I bought a big screen TV and I was never going to work another day in my life. And I was going to sit around and play video games and, and just enjoy my life. Mm -hmm. And this opportunity came along and I took it and I seized it. And if I could have come home and gone right back to my normal life, I could have gone and been retired. And it's just so many people reach out to talk that I can't say no to those phone calls. Yeah. You know, some people are struggling, some people aren't, some people just want company, some people mm-hmm. just want an ear, and some of them don't have it. And I don't mind being that ear for somebody, especially if they're having a hard time. Right. And that speaks to your character. And that just speaks to, I think, the values that you live by and continue to live by. And I think that's going to ha- be so impactful as people listen to this, because at times we forget that one of the biggest strengths of the military was the diversity and unity and community that we all had built in from day one. Mm-hmm. Well, wow. yeah, I mean, we all, we all wore green. <laughs> we all bleed red. And I, people need to remember that. And especially now, I mean, we need to find a, a real true way to break down those barriers and, and really understand that it's, it's simple, you know, do unto others. It's yeah. such a simple phrase, you yeah. know, it's, if I were in your shoes, would I want to be treated that way? Yeah. Of course not. And we can get into the, the all the, <laughs> all the conversations. I, I, try to, I try to steer away from that because the conversation needs to be had, but it needs to be had in a, in a better way. And, right. right. And in an argumentative way, we need to stop thinking about how people are different and start thinking about how they're the same. Yeah. Yeah, I really agree with that. Now, in addition to the Gandhi quote, is there any other mantras that you just want to share with the community? Things that just to get in their air, something they can remember and, you know, just tap into when, I when am needing a lift? That's all that I am. <laughs> classic. classic. <laughs> I read quotes often. I, I can't go into all of them. I mean, I have a few favorites. So uh, my Popeye quote, because I, I, it's true. You can only be who you are. And if somebody expects more from you, then again, they don't deserve to have you around. Yeah. Uh, then um, I have one from a book called The Little Prince. Mm. Heard, and that saying is, uh, the secret is very simple. It is only with the heart that one can see rightly. What is essential is invisible to the eye. Oh, wow. So oh, wow. we are so involved in our minds about what the right and wrong thing is that we are, we forget to listen to our heart or our soul or our spirit or whatever you want to call it. We forget that there's an instinct to us to preserve not only ourselves, but our communities. Mm -hmm. And we need to follow that. We can't think of everything with just logic. You have to put some heart behind it or else it doesn't mean anything. Wow. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of others, but (laughs) those are powerful. Those are powerful. Now, in addition to the little Prince, you mentioned that book. Is there any other books that are just a part of your life that's really spoken to you? Ones that you suggest others read? I'm in the middle of reading love in the time of cholera for like, Oh, wow. (laughs) I read a lot of uh, poetry by Pablo Neruda. Oh, wow. Okay. Any favorites? Sonnet 17. Okay. Okay. If you've never seen Patch Adams, <laughs> you'll, you'll know it if you see Patch Adams. I mean, I read a lot of military books. Mm-hmm. So I have a buddy, Chris Peranto, who has a couple of books out. The Real Account of the 13 Hours, The Ranger Way. I have a buddy, Jason Redman. He's in the middle of writing his second book. 
and yeah, a bunch of others. I mean, I, I like the classics. So, I mean, I, I read Stephen King and I read some of the current stuff, but I mean, I really go down to like, I read Les Mis recently, mm-hmm. uh, The Portrait of Dorian Gray. Yeah, that's one of my favorites. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, I, mean, I read mostly the older stuff just because I like the wording. I like the way they, they write right. it. Right. Nowadays, it's just like, Billy, walk down the street. <laughs> then it was a lot more artistic, you know? Right, right. Poetry to each phrase and stanza placement yeah now any plans for you to write a book in the near future or any work or blogs that we need to check out yeah actually there's two i am co-writing a book about the walk with a friend of mine wow he's actually an old high school buddy who was living in los angeles when i walked in Mm -hmm. he gave me a place to stay and he's like i'm a ghostwriter like i'd love to help you out oh wow that book will be about the walk and the interesting thing about it is that the final paragraph of each chapter, there's 22 chapters, mm-hmm. um, will be a remembrance or a celebration of somebody that we lost to suicide. Okay. Not about how it happened. Yeah. Not about yeah. Their yeah. Last days. It's about how they served, and how, how they lived. Yeah. Gone, yeah. How they lived. Yeah. And we're going to work out some kind of money situation. So some of the most, if not some of that money goes to a good cause. Right. And then the second book, I'm in the middle of writing by myself, and it is working title, The Eulogy of Heartbreak. And it is about a person who has served, but the stages of heartbreak. So from innocent love, so when you're in elementary school and you get a little crush on a sweetheart, all the way to that last chance, kind of uh, very passionate love that can uh, make or break a person. So oh, wow. I'm studying that, I'm, I'm working on that right now. Excited, excited, excited. And then best way to follow that work or even pre-order is just your Facebook sites, your Nerdesto. Yeah. Right now I, I do some updates on Facebook right now. The tentative date is when it's done, it's done. <laughs> I definitely, I'm definitely a person who believes in quality over, over, you know, just. Yeah. yeah. I want to study it. I want to be in it. I want to feel that vulnerability. I want to understand that emotion i want to break down so that when i write about it i'm writing about something i know and not something you heard about talked about commented about yeah or read in another book yeah yeah love that love that so as we wrap any parting piece of guidance i think you you uh gave us your heart you gave us your story and we know how to keep connected with you but you know i always love to showcase that veterans are people too (laughs) you know and and we we frown, cry, and need hugs just like everyone else. And then we, we still are strong, but we must also be vulnerable. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we, we have to be vulnerable. And we have to choose who we're vulnerable with. As a veteran to another veteran, I will always say, find your circle of friends. Find the ones that when things are just, you're hitting rock bottom. And a lot of us have. I attempted to take my life a long time ago. And I remember how alone I felt. Mm. Uh, didn't want to let that happen to me again. So at least now when I'm going through my situations, I have three or four very close people that I can message and be like, I'm not okay. I'm leaving my door unlocked. Please come check on me. Please come sit, watch a movie, talk to me, whatever. Um, yeah. I have to find that. You have to find a connection, usually with a like-minded individual that will understand you and get you the help you need if you need it. Yeah. And, don't, and don't be afraid to reach out for help. Yeah. The VA is not a, a perfect system, but... Sometimes you need it and and you can't be afraid to go in and and check yourself in. If that's what you need to do, you can't be afraid to confess that you're not okay. And I think we lost that 
somewhere down the line where we think it's not okay to ask. And we have to, we have to, and it'll save lives. It'll yeah. save people's lives because yeah. we need to have the hope of knowing that when they put their hand out, it's not going to get slapped away. Right. And I love the way you put that because for me, what I heard just deep down is your new sector of fire will require you to ask for help. Yeah. You know, I told a story this morning to a group of guys and I was like, look, you know, when I was in airborne school, they didn't teach us to jump out the plane. They teach us the parachute landing fall. You know, you were going to fall and the fall is designed. So you safely get back up, you know, and, and that's what it is. We have to ask for help. We have to safely get back up. And we, I love what you shared. We must maintain tight circles of those that we can trust with our vulnerability. Little elgops. I <laughs> <laughs> was there one too. Well, that was all. This was amazing. You're a great storyteller. I think the audience will love just listening to you, connecting with you, connecting with your social, and just keep releasing amazing content. And I love your vulnerability and just your your way of just breaking things down and. Your heart for service is something I think anyone who hears your story t- taps into what you do will immediately resonate with. So thank you for serving and continuing to serve. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks again and have an amazing evening. All right. You too. Thank you. Thank you.